the one and only Paul Gutierrez. What's going on, Paul? TC, how you doing, man? I hope it's sunny. I, I keep seeing weather reports that it's uh, downpours and a lot of rain in Florida. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how that affects the game, if at all. But that might actually, if it is, it might actually help the Raiders out a little bit and slow those uh, Dolphin receivers down some. You know, that's funny because we always think of Miami being like that. Oh, sunny weather, beautiful when you're, you know, in November, approaching December. But as we know, we've seen plenty of those Dolphin games, whether it's, you know, this year, years past, where you have these torrential downpours as well, too. No fun playing in that stuff, Paul. Yeah, and no, I think I learned the word quagmire early on <laughs> watching those old NFL films, John Facenda. Uh, you know, narrating NFL films and right. showing the, the downpours in, in Florida. So, yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, you know, the, the rain comes and it goes quickly there, um, but it, it's going to be it's a, it's a good test for the Raiders either way. There's Don Strzok back to pass. He steps in a puddle. There it is. Yes. Wow. Yeah. How about that one? Well, that that's good? When, yeah, David. Yeah, David Woodley and yeah. Don Strzok, uh, <laughs> when they called him Woodstrock there, yeah. with the uh, the hook and ladder against the Chargers. Yes, absolutely. Very, look at that knowledge, ladies and gentlemen. Paul yeah. Gutierrez, ring it up for Paul Gutierrez. Remembering the hook and ladder. Where is there? It is. Where's Kellen Winslow when you need him? Huh? With the Chargers, he's being he's being helped off the field because he was exhausted. That and is, then they go get smoked by. Now the thing about that Charger team, I was never a Charger fan as a kid, mm-hmm. but the thing about the, they played in the elements, right? They had to go to Miami, play in that humidity, and then the next week they had to go play in the the. It wasn't a snow bowl, but it was the unbelievable ice, ice bowl, bowl in Cincinnati, right? The next week, there you so go. yeah, and the Bengals. There you go. Ken Anderson, huh? There you go, right? Kenny Anderson, the mustache. Uh, in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, Raiders with two wins since Antonio Pierce has taken over, both against uh, New York teams, the lowly Giants and the lowly Jets, okay? Uh, what stood out for you watching those two games with Antonio Pierce in charge, both games at Allegiant Stadium? Basically, they, they did what they were supposed to do. And at the end of the day, that you know, you can't ask for anything more than that. Should they have beaten the Jets and Giants? Yes. And if they hadn't made a coaching change, should they have beat them? Absolutely. So by them handling their business, and that's just the macro view, pulling way out and looking at it, they handled their business. They did what they were supposed to do. Now, when you go into the micro, you look, you see, well, how did they do it? Why did they do it? You know, that, that first game against the Giants, they rode a wave of emotion, unlike anything we've seen in recent years with this team. And, and they, they had weathered some adversity and, and got it done. Against the Giants, they had a lot of in-game adversity in ter- uh, against the Jets, I'm sorry, uh, in terms of just weathering that storm against that, that fearsome front of the of the Jets and that, that pretty nasty secondary that the Jets have. And, and were able to come up, come away with it. And, and the Raider defense really kind of led the way in terms of getting that takeaway and, and, and keeping the game within striking distance for the offense to get, to get its bearings back. So when I look at it, they won two games they should have won in different manners. And, you know, you knew that the Jets game was going to be a slugfest. Now, as Antonio Pierce said this week, it's going to be a different kind of game. They're, they're taking their track shoes, and they also have to keep the ball away from them. So not only does the defense have to have its track shoes on, but the Raider offense has to have its, its clogs on because they're going to have to grind out a lot of road uh, to get uh, Josh Jacobs going and to keep the ball away from that Miami offense. No doubt about it. All right. So, you know, we know that the, uh, uh, the schedule is going to get much tougher now here too, Paul. Uh, do yep. you think with these two victories, uh, against teams like the Giants and the Jets who were using their backup quarterbacks, could there be a little false sense of security here for the Raiders and their fans, especially? <laughs> yeah, well, man, yeah, more so for the fans, I guess, because yep. there's, there's more to it than that. And, and as we all know, fan is short for fanatic. So, yep. yeah, there could be a false sense of security there. But at the same point, if Antonio Pierce is doing his job, and I believe he's doing it, 
he's not going to let these guys get into a false sense of security because every game is a season into itself. Like we say, every time we talk, um, they, no, there's, there's no sense of security. They know what's, what's in front of them. I do think it's interesting that they canceled the trip to Florida because uh, they were, remember they were supposed to go to Orlando this week. They were going to be in Orlando for practices today, tomorrow and Friday to get used to the, the humidity or the weather, the time change, and then slide on down to, to Miami for the game on Sunday. Instead, they're making it a quick trip. They're not going until Saturday. Right. So they're going to be there about 24 hours, if that, just in and out. The only real change they've done is they've moved practice times up three hours so that at least their body clock is, is going to be ready for what will be a 10 a.m. Pacific time kickoff. So that's, that's different there, too. So sense of security here, I don't know. I think they, they just realized that, look, they, they, they did what they were supposed to do. I just always go back. You know, when Devontae Adams was talking earlier in the year about they were winning, yeah, and they were having success, but it didn't look right, that was a dangerous sign to me because that was a false sense, right? If you're, right. If you're not doing things the right way, it's going gonna, it's gonna to collapse on you at some point. So he was spot on on that. But I also go back to an old conversation that I had with Jim Plunkett. And he told me when he first took over as quarterback in 1980, when, and you're going to love this name, when Dan Pastorini broke yes. his leg, yes. um, he had to sit down with Al Davis. Mm. And Al Davis told him, look, it doesn't matter how well you play. All that matters is that we win. Mm. And at the end of the day, that's really all you can ask for in the NFL. One of the best number sevens of all time, Dan Pastorini. No question. Dan Pastorini. Yeah, I yeah. loved him with the Oilers. Didn't yeah. like him. You know, 11-year-old me did not like him as a. <laughs> the Raider, but no, you know, no, you're right. But but, yeah. those, but those uh Oiler teams, Earl Campbell, Billy White Shoes, Johnson, Dan Pastorini, are you kidding me? And especially the uniforms, my friend. Now I gotta get this take from you because you know, uh, a few weeks ago you probably remember the game, what when Houston was playing the Titans, and yeah. uh, I, I was at uh, the Westgate watching the game, and I was a little bit confused, and I saw all the old old school Oiler uniforms there, but there were a lot of people that thought that, that was actually the Houston Texans wearing those, but no, that was the, the Tennessee Titans wearing those. But, you know, kudos to them for, 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 you know, busting out those uniforms, but very, very confusing, Paul. Yeah. And, you know, what's interesting is remember when they first moved from Houston to Tennessee and they played in Memphis, they were, they were the Nashville Oilers or the, right. the Tennessee Oilers Correct. very first year, Correct. 1997. Mm-hmm. So, and I remember I worked at Sports Illustrated at the time and I had to fact check Jeff Perlman's story because the Tennessee Oilers, I believe their first ever win, first ever game was against the Oakland Raiders. Yeah, right. That's true. Oh, yeah. wow. Wow. Classic. But love those uniforms. Those are top five all time for me, along with the creamsicles, yep. uh, as far as throwbacks go. And then the Rams and the Seahawks. I don't know why. And it's all for, for merchandise sale, obviously. But when you got something that just works, I mean, I don't know why you mess with it. And that's why the one thing that, you know, Mark Davis has always told me is he's never really going to change these uniforms. They have to have an alternate every now and again. But I mean, that silver and black to me is still the cleanest look in the NFL. No, there's no question. And it's funny that you, you say, you know, the, oh, Mark said, well, you know, we'll maybe throw a throwback every now and then. I can't remember the last time the Raiders, you know, did an alternate jersey. Think about it. I mean, I really can't remember. I remember in Oakland on, on, uh, when they were doing the color rush on Thursdays, oh, yeah. they wore the all whites. They right. wore the all whites at home that and the it. Chiefs wore the all reds. But that, you know, that was before the move. And, and, you know, I, I honestly, I do like the old AFL jerseys with the silver numbers, but they're hard to read from way up top in the press box. So that was the main reason they, they made the numbers black on the white jerseys. Mm-hmm. But 
But yeah, so I, I digress. <laughs> oh, well, good, man. We do that occasionally here. And, and uh, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that, my friend. There it is. Paul Gutierrez from uh, ESPN Raiders Insider joins us. The schedule going to get much tougher now. It starts with Miami. Uh, after that, you know, you're talking about the Chiefs, uh, Chargers, uh, Vikings, uh, much, much different. But the Raiders, like you said, you can only beat the people that are in front of you. The last two weeks, they're five and five. You know, they're feeling pr- pretty good. What's the main thing that you have noticed being around this team? Say, you know, prior, you know, to Antonio Pierce taking over to where they are right now, and especially with a couple wins underneath his belt. Yeah, and I know how this can be taken, and I don't mean it to be taken in any way, but it just—it feels like a weight has been lifted. Uh, it feels like, uh, you know, the, the school master, so to speak, is, is gone, and the substitute teacher is in there who's, like, connecting with the kids, so to speak, you know, and, and I know how that sounds. That's not a shot at McDaniels. That's not, you know, saying that the Raiders were too immature to handle that. No, it's just, it's just a different vibe. And there's a certain feeling, you know, and I, and I remember this when, when Josh McDaniels got the job. A lot of the old Bronco players said at the time when he was their coach that they had a hard time connecting with him, but they were never more prepared for a game than they ever were when he was a coach. And you get the sense that that was kind of the case happening here, too. That these guys were uber prepared and ultra prepared, but at the expense of what? Having fun, letting loose, just playing. And now, with a former coach, a former linebacker now, who Devontae Adams told me face-to-face, I'm ready to run through a wall for that man right now. What does that say? That, that carries its weight in gold uh, on a football field. So that's the biggest change to me beyond uh, you know, the basketball hoop in there, the cigars in the locker room after the game, after wins. Uh, a new, you know, Antonio uh, Pierce gave up his, his uh, parking spot so that whoever they deemed the Raider of the Week could park there, the best parking spot in the facility. So those are a lot of the feel-good things that are happening. And, you know, does that translate into wins, or does the, do the wins translate into the feel-good? It's the old chicken and the egg thing, and I think they, they just they don't want to know the answer to it. They just want to keep enjoying it and experiencing it right now. Yeah, no question. And to your point, you can that would lead to the frustration level as well, too, especially with Devontae Adams, guy who's used to winning. And you come in here and you feel that you are really prepared for that opponent. You've got a pretty good game plan, and then it doesn't you know, unfold on, on yeah. Sundays or whatever game day it is. And then all of a sudden you just kind of feel like, wow, I mean, we're, we're, we're busting our tail. We heard that, you know, so many times, right? Hey, these guys work hard. We've worked hard, but then, you know, just not translating into wins. I mean, that can really be a reason for the frustration as well, too. And then you tack on like, oh, well, we're not allowed to do this. Or we're not having fun. So it really kind of is all kind of correlated there. And then now, okay, now we're prepared. Now we're having fun. Hey, let's run through a wall for this guy. Now we've got a couple big victories, you know, lopsided victories, you know, to, to show for it. Hey, this is pretty cool. Yeah. And then, you know, when, when they're being uber prepared and they're practicing hard and they're putting in the long hours and you're not really experiencing the success, it's not coming to fruition. That's doubly frustrating. That's what I meant. Yeah. 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 yeah, So that, that's it. Exactly. And and it reminds me of a time. And again, you and I are of of the same ilk, same age (laughs) when I, you know, I was a fan of the Raiders as a kid growing up. Uh, and when they were in L.A., and I remember when Tom Flores retired, and they hired Mike Shanahan. And at that point, it was like, whoa, wait a minute. You're going to hire a Bronco guy or a 49er guy to, to, to take over your team? And then he brought in a culture change where those guys were still kind of the hellraisers, right? They, they were only five years removed from winning a Super Bowl, three years removed from being a number one seed. And all of a sudden, Mike Shanahan took the fun out of it for them. They wouldn't let them sit on their helmets in practice, which is whatever. Okay, but that was a huge deal. 
I had Rod Martin tell me one time that if he had known that uh, Art Shell was going to be the coach within a year and a half, he never would have retired. But he retired in part because the fun was taken away by Mike Shanahan. Now, Shanahan's probably a Hall of Fame coach. He'll get in here in the next few years. And he, you know, he figured it out when he went to Denver and to Washington. But that, you know, who the coach is, what the players are allowed to do within reason, huge, huge barometer for success, especially for an organization like the Raiders when you look at what John Madden's rule was, which just basically, you know, show up and give me your all on game day. And Tom Flores being the quiet, stoic uh, guy that you didn't want to disappoint. It's real interesting how that all kind of plays out. Paul, you just gave me a flashback. Now, I don't know uh, how much football you played, you know, back in the day or what level you did, whether it was Pop Warner, high school, whatever, but that was always the no-no. Our coaches said, you do not sit on your helmet. Nobody's yeah. sitting on their helmet. You're, you're bench. I mean, and then they kind of gave us this, uh, this thing is like, well, it's not good for the helmet or something like that. You don't, you don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The only reason yeah, in high school, so I played through, through high school, you know, my senior year of high school was the last time I played organized yeah. football, but, but that, the only reason I wanted to sit on my helmet was because I saw the Raiders doing exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. That was a cool thing. But our coaches yeah. just say, you don't sit on your helmet. That's so funny. Yeah. So funny. All right, let's talk about the matchup here. So we got Raiders, we got Dolphins. What's your biggest concern as you head into this game if you're the Raiders? Uh, that the Raiders can get boat raced right off the bat. If they if they have a couple of three and outs and all of a sudden the Dolphins are going up and down and we've seen what the Dolphins can do, we saw them do it to a team that the Raiders barely beat earlier this season with Denver when they dropped that 60-burger on them, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the biggest fear there in terms of looking at it from the Raider perspective, is that the offense cannot stay on the field and sustain drives. And then, boom, all of a sudden you're looking up and it's 24 to nothing early in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. That's not good. So that's why I, I believe that, uh, you know, especially with the ascendancy here of, of Josh Jacobs here the past two weeks, um, that's going to be clutch, clutch. That's going to be key for them to keep things going and just keep that Dolphin offense off of the field and try to slow it down a little bit. And it's interesting because if it, if the field is a mess and if it is, uh, you know, it, it prevents receivers from running their routes and everything, then that, that might actually work into the Raiders' favor in terms of just getting that ground game going. Right, right. So when you look at Miami and you mentioned it, they have so many offensive weapons. I mean, you think of Tua, you think of uh, specifically think of Tyreek Hill, at least I do, and in yeah. uh, and, and, and and Waddle and, and others. I mean, it is it is pretty phenomenal. There's no question about it. If you're the Raiders defensively, how do you go about trying to curtail that? Well, you get Mike Haynes to pick off Marino at the goal <laughs> line and return it 98 yards. Not oh, gosh, I mean, remember that game in 1984? Yeah, look at that. <laughs> it it, it, it's similar to that, right? I mean, it's not Marino and the Marx brothers, Duper and Clayton, but but it, it feels like that mm-hmm. um, because you know, and I don't know that the Raiders could win a quote unquote shootout, but I'm sure they like their chances. You know, but that just doesn't, it seems like you'd be playing more into Miami's hands with that. And yet, way back then, again, when you and I were 14, 15, 16 years old, wearing our members-only jackets and waiting for <laughs> uh, break-in Electra 2 Boogaloo to come out, yes! that's the kind of game they won. Yeah. So, again, you throw everything out the window when you get out there and you play. You have a game plan, and I know I'm mixing all of my metaphors here, but it's like Mike Tyson said, you have everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth, and then you figure out what you're going to do from there. Yeah, just ask Michael Spinks or Bruce Seldon that, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, when you look at this this game it, again, it really 
can be a, a directional type of game. We we actually said that last couple of weeks, but we we also said that's oh, the Giants. Okay, it's the Jets. You know, with uh, you know, with backup quarterbacks. Now you're looking at Miami and you're thinking, okay, they're on the road. This electric offense. You know, the the, the same team that put up seventy points uh, against uh, you know the the Broncos. But you know, this Miami team has shown some flaws as well too yeah. here. So. This really could be a great spot for the Raiders. And there's not going to be an excuse here of like, okay, well, you beat this type of team that uh, they stink, or you beat this team that's on a downward spiral right now. I mean, I don't want to say that any game's a statement game here, but if you're Antonio Pierce, give me, take me into that, that locker room. What do you think? And he's known to be able to push the buttons of these guys. What do you think that this week's pep talk is about facing this team and where they're at right now because they finally have gotten you know to 500 and now a chance to go over 500 and if you do get this victory then you're looking at a team that really has some decent playoff aspirations yeah i think you're playing with house money that that to me is the the biggest message is look nobody nobody expects them to win i mean they're what 12 and a half point dogs right now i think um nobody expects them to win nobody expects them to even show up so why not just go out there and do it? Why not just go out there and play as hard as you can? Leave it all on the field and see what happens because what's the worst that can happen? You, you lose like everybody expected you to, yep. you know, or that's it. I mean, you just go out there and see what happens and, and you go from there because really I think most people expect them to be five and seven going into the bye. And I think most people would take that given what this team's already endured this year undergoing such a mash, massive culture shift. I mean, literally a polar shift. The, the, the poles have shifted on this team. Uh, since the beginning of the season. So if you can sneak out one of those two games, if not both of them, then you're looking really, really good. So I know it may seem like a defeatist attitude to say, hey, why, you know, let's just go in there and play. Nobody expects us to win. But I think that's probably the smartest route to take because then that, that sets you up for, for success and it, you're not too down. You know, like if they had lost one of these two games to the New York teams, then you're kind of like, oh boy, now we're going there to get boat race and, and get run and no, now you're going in there and you've you got you've given yourself a legitimate chance to give yourself a chance, and and that's really all you can ask for at this point. And especially considering that when you look at this AFC, I mean, there are a, a lot of teams. I don't want to say you know that that is middling here, but you've got a lot of teams around that same record as the Raiders that are yeah. you know they're going to be knocking off each other. I mean, call it parity, call it balance, call it whatever you want. Uh, Buffalo falling back to the pack, Cincinnati falling back to the pack here. I mean, it is it is a crapshoot, and it is is really wide open with about. Nine teams, you know, uh, you know, vying for you know the seven spots, which is the the biggest strength I think that Antonio Pierce has told these guys is just keep focused on what's ahead of you. You cannot worry about you know, well, we got Kansas City in two weeks, and we got the bye, then we got the Vikings. They can't worry about that because they can't control that. All they can control is what is in front of them. And the first thing they took the control was, look, we're not going to go to Florida for the week. Let's just stay home and practice at ten a.m. in the you know in, instead. So that, to me, is a healthy way of looking at it. Is that going to affect which way the game goes? I don't know. They don't know. Nobody knows. But we're going to find out on Sunday, and that's literally why they play the game. Do you think that going to Orlando and spending the week in Florida, was that a Josh McDaniels thing that was already kind of on the calendar, or was Antonio Pierce planning on doing that? Were the Raiders organization planning on doing that? And then Pierce decided to, no, 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 we're changing it. Where do you think that came from as far as, okay, we're not going to do that in the time frame as well. 
Yeah, no, it was it was already planned. Because remember, they went to West Virginia before week the week two <laughs> right, game right. at Buffalo, which so I was scratching was my head. To, I mean, what, we're, we're John was, Denver. Yeah. Well, who wants to go to to West Virginia? I mean, give me a break. Come on. Yeah, yeah, I think Sean Payton got some some cash off that because I think any time he set that thing up when he was a coach of the Saints. And uh, my understanding is that uh, he set that up, and uh, you know maybe he gets a, a kickback here and there. I don't know. I'm just saying. But I, that one made no sense to me. It was so early in the season. Maybe they thought it was a chance for them since they don't go away for training camp anymore. That that was a chance for them to bond over that, and it, it didn't matter. They got blown out, right. you know. So this one made more sense um, in terms of going there, and, and yeah, it was planned. And uh, after the coaching switch, uh, my understanding is they talked to some players. A lot of players weren't down with it, and they're like, okay, well, we won't go. Yeah. So, but then there's also a handful that they were probably looking forward to going to to Disney World too. I know I was. <laughs> well, nothing's preventing you from going, Paul. You can still do that. You know that. That's true. You know? That's true. And I got free passes being an ESPN employee. So, yeah, Disney employee. Ooh, you're right. That's nice. And see, now, now, <laughs> now, you're the guy to know. You're the guy to reach out to. I, I, you're going to be getting you a, go. You're going to be getting a call from me in the off season. Hey, Paul, remember we talked hey. about the the Disneyland yeah. passes? There you go, buddy. Um, the Raiders signed. Jack Jones, defensive back Jack Jones. He was released by uh, the Patriots. A lot of people say that's a very controversial signing considering uh, the history of Jack Jones. This guy has been a um, a nightmare wherever he's been. You go back to high school. You go back to, to, to college. A couple stops. USC, as you well know. Uh, Arizona State, same thing. New England, he really wasn't getting on the field that much. He was begging Bill Belichick to get in the game. And finally, he played, what, 10 snaps in their game in Germany yeah. last week against Colts. And then Belichick says, nope, that's enough. And they release him. Immediately, the Raiders pick him up. I get it that Antonio Pierce has a history with Jones, coached him uh, at Long Beach Poly. There, there, there is a history. They were together at Arizona State underneath Herm Edwards. Is that what this is all about? Give me your thoughts on why you would sign someone with such a checkered past, a guy who just got released, and he wasn't out there for more than 24 hours before the Raiders scooped him up. Give us those details. Yeah, it's, it really it makes all the sense in the world if you trust in him, right? You trust in that relationship. Antonio Pierce has known him since he was 13 years old. Right. You know, Coached him at Long Beach Poly, coached him at Arizona State. So there's a relationship there where they trust each other. It's not a one-way street there. Uh, obviously, you know, Antonio is trying to, he's never going to say it out loud, but he's trying to win this job. He's trying to win games, but he also, you know, he'd, he'd be foolish to not acknowledge at least privately that, yeah, he wants this job. Otherwise he wouldn't have taken it. So he's gambling on, on, uh, Jones and Jones is gambling on him because on the coach, because he's like, look, who's going to give me another shot after everything that's happened. And in talking with both of them this week, there's there's a definitely a respect level that's there that they don't want to let each other down. Now, does that mean it's going to have a happy ending? Not necessarily, but it also makes more sense that way. I mean, when I saw that they were linked to him, I didn't realize at the time the the connection, the personal connection there, the deep one. I just thought another Patriot, really? Those guys are gone, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, Ziggler and and McDaniel's was like, oh no no no, this is this is different. This one, this one makes you know in a weird way makes more sense. Plus. With the 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 cornerbacks that banged up, you know, with with the Meek Robertson coming off a concussion, he he practiced today, but he was limited, so he's off the concussion protocol, uh, I believe. And then with um, you know, Nate Hobbs has been banged up, Jacorian Bennett's been banged up, Marcus Peters has been banged up of late. It's it's just another body there too, and a relatively fresh and healthy one. So, from a pure football standpoint, makes sense. From the personal standpoint, while it shouldn't, it actually makes more sense there because of the personal and deep relationship in nature 
nature of their relationship anyway, that, that they've known each other for forever. What do you think of Jones as a player? He's fast. And in talking with him, it's interesting because he, he talked about the first interaction he had with Antonio at Long Beach Poly where uh, he wanted him, he wanted to know what position he wanted to play. And he said he, he was a DB. And Pierce actually saw him more as a, as a wide receiver. So he converted him to a receiver in high school. Therefore, that's how he got all the notice, the uh, attention from colleges that wanted to recruit him. And then he made the switch back to DB. So in a weird way, Antonio telling him, you're not a DB, actually opened the gate for him uh, to, to become a professional DB by becoming a receiver in high school. It's kind of convoluted, I know, that I had to go back to him a couple times and ask, okay, exactly, how did this happen again? So as a player, you know, DBs, they often say they're DBs because they can't catch. Right. But if you're a converted receiver, that should help you. I mean, he's small, he's fast, uh, and he's fresh. So that should help against a team like Miami. All right. What do you think is going to happen Sunday, my friend? Give me a prediction. How's it going to break down? Yeah, you know, if if the Raiders are not able to maintain possession, it's going to get ugly quick. If they're able to establish a running game, uh, my bold prediction, it's on ESPN, I don't even know if it's up yet on ESPN.com, but my bold prediction is that Josh Jacobs will rush for two touchdowns in this game because he's rounding into shape and they're going to have to force the running game. And and no player has rushed for two touchdowns against the Dolphins this year. In fact, they've only given up uh, nine touchdowns total. And they haven't given up multiple touchdowns in a game since week seven. So that to me is what the Raiders have to do. Otherwise, it's going to get ugly quick. You got a go to uh, spot or two there in Miami, uh, food wise? What do you got, man? You know what? I stay up before Lauderdale. I got a, a buddy of mine, and I actually, he was uh, my first roommate when I moved to New York to work for Sports Illustrated. And he was uh, the president of the fraternity when I was here at UNLV when I first got here. So, <laughs> I so I stay up in Lauderdale. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I done South Beach, but you know, I'm a little bit old for that now. I guess yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you look in a speedo anymore, too. You know? Yeah, yeah. Matter, matter of fact, I got to go work out. Yeah. <laughs> go <to the> gym. <laughs> <laughs> hey, more importantly, Paul, le- what are the other perks of being an ESPN employee? I mean, now we got Disneyland passes. <laughs> Give me some of those other perks. What do you got, man? Let- let's go. What do you got? Yeah, you know, that's that's funny. It's like when I got the job back in 2013, some people uh, that I worked with in L.A., the first thing they asked me about was, do you have the main gate pass? So I think that's the most important <laughs> perk that people talk about. That and, and you get discounts, you know, in the park, uh, discounts on the hotel, Disneyland Hotel. So it's been nice. I've been there just over 10 years now, and uh, we've taken a lot of family vacations down to Anaheim, been to Orlando once as a family. So um, it's fun. And beyond that, you're still, you know, you're working for ESPN, too. There you go, my friend. All right. Hey, uh, great, uh, great chatting with you. Uh, we'll look forward to talking with you hopefully next week uh, or the week after. I know you got a b- real busy schedule. Appreciate you always taking the time and uh, talking a little Raiders and a little NFL. And, of course, a little old school music, food, and who knows what else with Paul Gutierrez. Always a great time, my friend. Enjoy your time in FLA, and uh, we'll see how the Raiders perform. Will do, man. And I'm glad you did not play uh, two live crew based on where we're going this oh, week. So there no, you go. Wait a minute. I mean, it's not, <laughs> how did you know we were going to go out to that? How in the heck did you look at the, the guy's a crystal ball? There's no video here. There it is. <laughs> Paul, I'm going to let you lead us out with a little me so horny because I know it's one of your all time favorite songs. I mean, remember, uh, I just flashed back. Uh, summer 89, when that came out, as nasty as they want to be, I was delivering pizza in my 75 Monte Carlo with the air shocks in Barstow, California. Straw head pizza by the mall. 
and no air conditioning in the car. That's oh, all I know. That is too bad. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Is, is that car? Is that car bouncing up and down a little bit too? I don't know if it's because of the shocks or something else, man. I, I don't know, but <laughs> but here's an old school music reference, and you, I don't know, it might it, it was probably even before your time, but this song was actually sampled. Did you know that? Oh, it yeah. was sampled by no ma- by no mass doubt. production. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. A little firecracker mass production. There you go. All right, Paul Gutierrez. Come on, play DJ, man. Lead us into the break with a little two live crew. Come on, man. Sounds good. Drop it. (laughs) Brother, take care. Enjoy yourself. All right, take care. 